Well, welcome, everybody. I hope you had a great weekend. It was an insane weekend of political happenings and news and events. And I want to start with two examples of anti woke backfires. Now, later in the program, we'll get back into the perversion of the term woke. We don't have to do that here. But we're first going to talk about one of these anti woke book bans completely and totally backfiring. I told you weeks ago that in Utah there was already an attempt made to ban the Bible from public school libraries specifically because of the rule that right wingers put in place about violent and sexual content in books. And indeed, that has now succeeded in some schools. NPR reports a Utah school district has removed the Bible from the school from some schools shelves. Frustrated with book challenges and bans in their school district, a parent in Utah submitted a complaint of their own about the Bible. Now, good for the Davis School District. They took the objection objection seriously. They placed the Bible under review and the district officially decided to remove the religious text from elementary and middle school libraries for containing vulgarity or violence. The ban takes effect immediately with Bibles being removed from classrooms even as they close down for the summer. Additionally, the Book of Mormon is now under review as a result of the exact same thing. So let's talk about what's going on here. The Utah book ban by right wingers is a case of censorship backfiring. The ban was hoping to block the normal, the usual suspects, right? books on LGBTQ plus topics or by certain authors of a particular identity, racial issues, etc. But what it has led to because of how it is written, violent content, sexual content, the Bible is filled with violent and sexual content. It has led to the Bible being removed for violence and sex. This shows a number of different important characteristics of this movement that we are now seeing. Number one, their hypocrisy, because all of the right wingers who said we like the rule opposed the removal of the Bible. And we've confronted some of them on the show and they call in, et cetera. And we say, well, hold on a second. If these are the rules, if this is the standard, if this is the barometer, the checklist, violent content, sexual content, here it is in the Bible. Here's examples of violence in the Bible. Here's examples of sexual content in the Bible on it's so many of them. They say, well, that's different. Well, OK, in what way is it different? Mm, they can't really articulate any difference other than they don't want the Bible removed. The ban is also part of this. So it's arbitrary, it's capricious, it's hypocritical. The ban is also part really of a larger trend from the right of censorship while claiming the other side is doing the censoring and then using lawmakers and government to achieve that very censorship of which they accuse the other side. I am against book bans for a number of different reasons. Number one, they are taking teachers out of the decisions as to what materials are appropriate for children of what age and putting it in the hands of parents, parents whose expertise is not education whose expertise is not literature, whose expertise is not a child development. So we're saying let's give people who are less qualified the ability to, to decide what is in school libraries. They silence authors. 
they silence librarians. They they damage the trust and the dialogue between schools and communities. And also they can have the very corrosive effect of tying schools up, not only in protests, but in legal challenges. That's not good for anybody. That's not good for learning as a progressive. Right. I'm a progressive. I'm not for censorship. I, I have to pause there. I know the right says we are the ones wanting to censor. No, 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 no. I'm a progressive. I believe in the power of books to educate, empower and empathize. I believe in the power of reading to develop vocabulary, language, knowledge, etc. I want to let teachers decide what's appropriate at which age, maintain separation of church and state, meaning the Bible gets no special status. And when it comes to teaching religious texts, I'm not against teaching religious texts, but they shouldn't be in science class. They should be taught as religious texts, maybe in comparative liter uh, comparative religion class or something like that. Probably not to second graders would be my sense in a public school. So I oppose book bans and I oppose the book bans based on uh, uh, ideology and morality and common sense and all of these other things. I'm glad to have a dialogue. I'm glad to collaborate with teachers to determine what are the appropriate texts at different ages. We might say, you know, I, I remember, I think it was second grade when our teacher would read Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, a book that in its unabridged version contains the N word. It contains violence about slavery, et cetera. Was it inappropriate for second graders? I don't think so. I remember being riveted horrified to learn about the treatment of slaves and the legacy of slavery and all these things. Could you come out and say, you know, that's probably really better for like third graders or fourth graders? Sure. I mean, listen, these are reasonable discussions saying we're going to ban the book. No, I don't think so. So I stand with the anti censorship groups, the student groups, the teacher groups, etc. They are a threat. And now what we are seeing is this backfire on themselves in Utah as the Bible has been banned in some places, the Book of Mormon is now on the chopping block. This is the monster they created. They have no one to blame but themselves. Another major defeat for the anti woke clowns. This time it is that drag ban ruled unconstitutional. This is the beautiful detail, folks, by a Trump appointed judge, the Tennessee anti drag bill violates free speech and expression. It's too broad and too vague. The Associated Press has a great report on this. Tennessee's first in the nation law designed to place strict limits on drag shows is unconstitutional. A federal judge says the law is both, quote, unconstitutionally vague and substantially overbroad and encourages discriminatory enforcement, according to the ruling late Friday by U.S. District Judge Thomas Parker appointed by failed former President Donald Trump. Quote, there is no question that obscenity is not protected by the First Amendment, but there is a difference between material that is obscene in the vernacular and material that is obscene under the law. Simply put, no majority of the Supreme Court has held that sexually explicit but not obscene speech receives less protection than political, artistic or scientific speech, said the judge. The article also says the law would have banned adult cabaret performances from public property or anywhere minors might be present. Performers who broke the law risk being charged with a misdemeanor or a felony for a repeat offense. 
This is a bonkers law. It deserved to be taken down. And so far, that is the decision. Now, will it be appealed? We will see. But we knew, you know, it, it, it's funny. It's important to let legal scholars and jurists weigh in on these things. But we could all see that the use of the word obscenity was being used not as it is required to be used under the law, but just colloquially. Oh, that's obscene. I don't know. I see a picture of a drag performer. That's obscene. And that's my opinion. That's not legally obscene. And that's actually what matters here. And good for the Trump appointed judge for pointing that out. The bill is vague. It's broad. It doesn't really define what is an adult cabaret performance. What is a male impersonator? It leaves room for arbitrary enforcement, discriminatory enforcement. But the most important thing is, listen, the the first obstacle is let's get a legal opinion that shows the nuts and bolts of this Tennessee anti drag bill are ridiculous. That's step one. Step two, let's remember that it is again being pushed by hypocrites. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, who previously dressed in drag, now says this is a danger to our children and this is the law we need. So they are hypocrites, legally problematic, hypocritical. But the the zoom out, the 30,000 foot is that this one bill is just a part of the larger wave of the anti LGBT legislation that we're seeing in many right wing states. It's targeting trans youth. It's banning gender affirming care. It's limiting access to bathrooms. It's doing all sorts of different things. And it's all motivated by the right saying now it is trans people who are the scapegoats. For a long time, it was gay men. Maybe for like a week, it was lesbians. They never really were too worked up about lesbians. For a while, it was gay men. Uh, Now they're shifting over to saying the problem is trans people. And it's motivated by fear. It's motivated by misinformation. It depends on stereotypes and myths about. Remember, the first it was the stereotype and myth of the gay man as the pedophile. Didn't make any sense. But gay men are interested in other gay men who have gone through puberty. We're not talking about pedophilia. Now they're applying that to trans people. Uh, People are going to say, oh, I put on a wig and now I'm a woman so I can hit on little girls in a bathroom. That's already illegal. Doesn't matter which bathroom you're in. Already against the law. Don't need any new laws to prevent that. And it also essentially never happens. And um, they're now targeting drag shows to completely benign. We interviewed a drag performer a few weeks ago who was very um, articulately able to explain the absurdity of all of this. So the hope here is that if this decision is appealed, it will be upheld. Uh, not that the bill will be upheld, that the unconstitutionality of banning drag shows will be upheld. And this is, again, another one of these issues where the right now is saying, look at all of these leftists wanting to die on the hill of drag shows. We're not the ones who started this thing. We're just saying the law should be uh, enforced and the bills should be the laws should be evaluated for their constitutionality. It is because of the right making this an issue that this is an issue. Left wingers weren't going around saying, let's go around creating uh, defenses for drag shows. And uh, for as long as the right keeps pushing these nonsense laws, my hope is um, that the left and sane thinking jurists are going to do what needs to be done to point out that the laws are not only hypocritical, capricious and unnecessary, uh, but also unconstitutional in the way that this one is. Let's take a very quick break. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube at youtube.com slash the David Pakman show. We are powering towards 
one point seven five million YouTube subscribers, which will put us within that final two hundred and fifty thousand subscriber push to two million. Be a part of it. We'll take a quick break and be right back. One of our sponsors today is Wild Health, founded by two emergency room physicians. Wild Health takes your genetics and your biometrics and your lifestyle data to really tailor suggestions to your exact needs in terms of nutrition and exercise and sleep and supplements and all of those things. And the whole idea is just for you to function at your best. It's really a quite it's a simple goal, but it's a complex goal to achieve. You might have a specific health goal. You want to sleep better. You want to lose weight. You want to stay healthy and just feel good. Wild Health will tailor a care plan with lifestyle interventions instead of medications, which I prefer as an approach. Wild Health will pair you with a care team that includes a board certified precision medicine physician and accredited health coach who can uh, receive messages from you anytime through the app. It's fully virtual telemedicine. And if you're really trying to reach your top physical and mental condition, try Wild Health's premium program at wildhealth.com slash premium, which includes the white glove concierge service, unlimited visits, even higher touch care. These results are really compelling. Patients have seen improvements to diabetic markers, reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, reduction in inflammation and more. Go to wildhealth.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman for 20% off. That's wildhealth.com slash Pacman. Using code Pacman saves you 20%. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors is Happy Hippo, letting you try their products completely free. Happy Hippo offers the purest, highest quality Kratom you'll find anywhere. Kratom is also known as Mitragena speciosa, which is an herbal leaf from Southeast Asia. At low doses, Kratom is known for its sort of energizing, uplifting effect comparable to coffee. At higher doses, Kratom can create a calm, soothing feeling, which some people take for aches and pains, other for relaxation. Happy Hippo has over 10 years of experience with Kratom. These guys know what they're doing. All of their Kratom is alkaloid rich and lab tested. 
and they will replace any product you aren't satisfied with. Happy Hippo offers same day shipping and the happiest customer service you will ever experience. They take care of anyone in my audience with great attention and they support the work that we do here at the David Pakman show. So if you are someone who enjoys Kratom, get it from these guys. You can try Happy Hippo products totally free. They'll even ship to you for free. Go to happyhippo.com slash Pacman. Click the pink button at the bottom of the page that says free Kratom. You can also get 20 percent off all of their products with code Pacman. That's happyhippo.com slash Pacman. Click the free Kratom button to receive some product completely free with free shipping. After that, use the code Pacman for 20 percent off. The info is in the podcast notes. We really are now, as you will shortly see in the midst of the 2024 election, the Republican primary is rapidly getting completely out of control in cartoonish and humiliating fashion. And that's why you can use the coupon code 24 starts now when you sign up for a membership at joinpacman.com. You'll get a sizable discount and it will be a beautiful day when you sign up on our website. We are primarily supported by members in all seriousness. You know, the Daily Wire is arguing over 50 million dollar contracts. They've got millionaire donors. It's bonkers what's going on. The left doesn't have that. And if you checked out the recent NBC News article written about the David Pakman show, one of the topics is the left doesn't have that sort of donation infrastructure from rich, mostly dudes. Right. I mean, let's be frank from from these rich white dudes that pour money into the Daily Wire. Uh, we don't have that. Uh, and so we depend on folks who sign up at joinpacman.com. I hope you'll do that. You can read about the great member benefits on our website. We are going to look at weekend campaign events involving Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious, um, Nikki Haley. Uh, who else? Uh, we'll get to Pence. We're going to start with Trump. Donald Trump had a town hall event on Fox News in Iowa. The event was so bad, so humiliating that even the friendliest of friendly Fox News hosts, Sean Hannity, could not save Donald Trump. If you want to see what a cult looks like, it's Trump entering the room to this. Okay, so those are cult members, as you can see. I'm finishing up Vincent Bugliosi's book about the prosecution of the Manson murders. Many, 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 many similarities between uh, the family, as Manson's followers were called, and Trump's followers. Trump bringing up, uh, I mean, listen. I dare I'm not even going to tell you what he brings up because I don't know. I dare you to decode this clip from Trump during the town hall. Oh, boy. And the clip is glitching badly. Let's hope we don't have this. This would become a humiliating segment. Hold on. Here we go. And your soldiers, believe me, that's going to be like the greatest deal you've ever made is to give us the twenty eight thousand. And they gave us twenty out the eight thousand soldiers free of charge and they stopped people. You know, they have no rules that you're not allowed to talk fresh to somebody or they put you in jail for the rest of your life. These soldiers are tough soldiers in that sense. So are ours. But our soldiers are told to do things that are horrible. I am. It's I'm as clueless as you are about what he's talking about. If you speak a little bit harshly, can you imagine if you go back to MacArthur and you go back to some of these tough generals, they wouldn't be able to be thrown out of the military. How about Patton? 
Yeah. He used to slap, slap him around. You get out there and you. F- Three people clapping about Patton slapping people. He wouldn't. He would have been out within two days. He would have been out of the military. Uh, look, we've gone. We've gone so bad. It's it's so sad what's happened. Yep. Okay. Completely unintelligible word salads, and the crowd just cheers for anything. Anything he says, the crowd cheers for. Trump did make an interesting claim. Trump says that he uh, got CNN to do his town hall at eight instead of nine specifically to not compete with his friend Sean Hannity and take away ratings. Isn't that something? Did get their best rating in 11 years. That's pretty good. You know, normally, normally, if you do that, you have a success. So they got their best ratings and they want to fire the head of CNN. So it's supposed to everything is like April Fool's Day nowadays, right? You get good ratings. You're supposed to get a bonus, right? (laughs) And you know what I did? I said, I'll do the show. But I'm not going against Sean Hannity. Is that true? That's why I was on at eight o'clock. They had me at nine. I said, wait a minute, nine. But Sean's on at nine. I said, nope, I'm not doing it. They said, well, then we'll call it off. I said, I don't care. They wanted to do it. I didn't want to do it. They said, we'll do it at eight. Now, how nice is that? There you go. Nice little favor to Sean Hannity. And as with most of these stories, number one, completely irrelevant to whether Trump would improve this country as president. And number two, we never know whether these stories are fabricated whole cloth or whether there's even a grain of truth to them. Trump reacting to Ron DeSantis claiming he'll have eight years to improve the country. Trump saying you really don't need eight years. I only need six months. People say, oh, you can't. It's just like when I hear the sanctus, when I hear the sanctimonious come and say we need eight years again, if he needs eight years, don't vote for him. I'll have that. This country will be hopping in six months and a lot of it's going to do with energy and energy. It'll be hopping in six months. Unless you know what's funny? Trump could become president. And then on the day of the inauguration, January 2025, if the economy looks like it looks now, Trump will just point to the existing numbers. He'll say, look, unemployment's so low, black unemployment's so low, wages are up, inflation's down, stock market's steady. There is no of course, the economy will be hopping in six months because the economy is doing fine right now. Could we have a recession, a depression? Of course, we always could. But this idea that it's a disaster and Trump will fix it laughable, laughable idea. Trump then pulls out this claim that he'll end the Ukraine Russia war in 24 hours. Hannity actually says, how will you do it? And as you can see, very shaky. Trump's going Trump's got the talking point down. I'll end the war in 24 hours. He needs to figure out what to say when people ask him, how will you do that? But I want to stop the war. I don't want that war to continue. And I'll stop that war. Mark my words. I'll stop that war in 24 hours. But we're in a position. (laughs) The only way he could stop in 24 hours would be to force Ukraine to fold. I can't think of any other way he could end it in 24 hours. Mr. President, let me ask. Serious question. How do you stop that war in 24 hours? I know both. And frankly, uh, Zelensky was very good because, you know, he was part of the phone call. And he said he didn't say anything wrong to me. The Democrat he could have gone in grandstand and said, well, I felt threatened. I felt threatened. He didn't. I get along with him. I get along with Putin. 
It's, it would have been much easier to stop it before it started. Putin would have never done this. would have been much easier. Right now, it's a mess. Now they're hitting Kiev, and they're hitting all sorts of things that weren't supposed to be hit. Right. The country is being decimated. By the way, the deaths are far more than they're reporting. You know, when they say nine... If you're waiting for the answer, it's not in here. Nine apartment houses got knocked down, and two people got hurt. No, no, hundreds of people died. The, the numbers are much different than what you're being told. Uh, I will get them into a room and they will, and I know an exact way. Number one, you tell one, you're not going to get anything unless you make a deal. You tell the other one, they're going to get a lot unless you make a deal. Mm. And you just sit them and you put them in, and you have to make a determination. And within, right. I'm telling you. The crowd convinced by this completely unintelligible, meaningless explanation from Trump as to how he will broker peace between Ukraine and Russia within 24 hours. Trump also during this deranged uh, town hall taking credit for ending Roe v. Wade, which, by the way, was not a very popular change with the majority of Americans. I don't know that I'd be bragging about this. This might be why Republicans didn't do so well in the 2022 midterms. I didn't think when I started my radio career in 1987, I'd be talking a lot about. But uh, education, kids, gender identity classes, CRT, uh, I never thought we'd really have this deep debate about whether or not biological men could be playing in women's sports. When so, you so crazy on all of these issues, you know, what is the best way that you see to settle? Well, I did something that nobody thought was possible. I did got you? rid of Roe v. Wade. And by doing that, <laughs> by doing that, it put pro-lifers in a very strong negotiating position. Now they're negotiating different things. And you know, I happen to be of the Ronald Reagan school in terms of uh, exemptions where you have the life of the mother, right. rape, and rape incest. incest, mother's life. So you have that. And I think, you know, for me, that's something that works very well. And for probably 80, 85 percent, because don't forget, we do have to win elections. But I did something that nobody could do. And I also made them the radicals because they are willing and able to kill babies in the ninth month. They're willing to kill babies. That's radical. Pro-life isn't radical. Okay, so this is crazy stuff. Of course, it's all untrue. But if I were Trump, I don't know that I'd be bragging about ending Roe v. Wade, given the unpopularity of that decision. And then lastly, here is Trump again, unintelligible, I guess, talking about documents uh, and Chinatown. I don't know. I mean, the, these these rants really are putting uh, putting linguists through their paces. I have the right to declassify as president. He's got eighteen hundred and fifty boxes that he doesn't want anyone to see. He had seven or eight boxes in Chinatown in Washington, D.C., where nobody even speaks English in Chinatown. Chinatown is very it's it's in favor of China. Yeah, there. <laughs> Chinatown is it's in favor of China. So even with the most friendly questions, almost no pushback other than like, oh, like, how would you end the war in 24 hours? Trump unable to coherently put together a policy vision. There's nothing he's not articulating any policy vision other than to sanctimonious is bad and Joe Biden's bad and so on and so forth. Now, if you thought that the Fox town hall was bad, just wait until you see Trump's speeches. Over the weekend in Iowa, failed former President Donald Trump gave a number of speeches in different parts of the state of Iowa, an early state in the primary process and an important state. He gave a speech in Urbandale. He gave a speech in Des Moines. He gave a speech in Grimes and potentially others as well. 
Uh, now, I mean, it's almost automatically satirical. The crowd chanting USA when Trump enters. This was a little bit of a surprise for you, I heard. There you go. Trump surprising the crowd and the crowd chanting USA. One of the claims Trump made during these events was that we need to bring religion back into the country. Now, that may come as a surprise to those who realize not only has religion not left the country, we still have religious influence in government at the state and federal level. You regularly hear religious arguments made during civil policy debates when it comes to abortion or gay marriage or whatever the case may be. Many of us wondering why is there so much religion, given that we're supposed to have separation of church and state? Trump says we have to bring religion back and we have to bring religion back into our country because that's something that's that's something that is, as you know, it's under uh, it's under attack. Right. A lot of us are under attack. And we uh, we're not going to we're going to win. We're going to win big. We're going to win bigger than ever before. Just uh yep. Um, bigger than ever before. We're going to bring religion back. People wondering where did it go? It seems to be very front and center. A hilarious moment. Fox News dipped into Trump's speeches at one point, And right when uh, anchor Harris Faulkner cuts to Trump in Urbandale, Iowa, Trump is defending the January 6th rioters. This is always a risk if you cut into a live Trump speech. He could be defending anyone. And in this particular case, Fox goes over and Trump is defending the rioters. Trump is speaking at the West Side Conservative Breakfast in Urbandale, Iowa. Right now, let's watch. To these people. And then you look at what they've done to the January 6th people. They've destroyed them and destroyed their lives. And a lot of them didn't even go into the building. <laughs> it was a disgrace. What's going on? That is a Whoops, let's cut away. Disgrace. That's, that's going to go down in history ultimately. And Ashley Babbitt was killed, shot by, a, in my opinion, a rogue cop. He had no business doing that. He shot her shot. unarmed. And actually, people say she was trying to hold back the people that were pushing her right. forward. Uh, she was a good Samaritan there. I mean, of course, the investigation into that shooting didn't find any of that evidence, but she was a good Samaritan. Suddenly, the officer was in the wrong, say the always defend the police people. Ashley Babbitt was the one that was killed. She was the one that was killed. And uh, they like to say five people. That's the truth is. And there happened to be somebody else also in addition to Ashley. But Ashley Babbitt was a big supporter of everybody in this room. And there you go. uh, By every account, she was an incredible person and a great patriot. And he shot her like uh, just like he had no problem. And then they. Yeah. So not exactly the best moment for Fox News to carry Trump's speech. Uh, Trump then complained many people who use the term woke can't define it. Now, I want you to remember this moment because we're going to get back to that a little bit later on. Uh, very big on, on school choice. Can you imagine we even have to talk about parental control and having parents basically having parents get involved? We have school systems that don't even want to talk to the parents about their children. And you talk about changing gender and things where the child can make a choice and the child can be unbelievably young. The country has gone sick. It's gone sick. And I don't like the term woke because I hear woke, woke, woke. You know, it's like just a term that use half the people can't even define it. They don't know what it is. Right. But you look at these things like uh, women 
getting, you know, competed with, with, you know, men that <laughs> were men. He barely is able to keep the sentence going. And our men, and they're out there swimming and setting records. You see the records that are being broken? Uh, records that lasted for 19 years are being broken by, you know, 30 seconds. They're trying to win by a 16th of a second for in swimming on one of the events. A 16th of a second they're trying to win for years. And a guy comes along and breaks the record by, you know, numbers that will never be broken. All right. So you get it. Just uh, overt transphobia, confusion and uh, disorientation there. Um, someone in this was kind of a funny moment. Someone in the crowd praised the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds. And Trump is just so insecure that he immediately has to say, hey, 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 it was thanks to me that she won. And uh, they ought to look at his past record, by the way. Take a look at his past record. Kim Reynolds for governor of Iowa. Good. Good. That's right. I hate to say it without me, you know, she was not going to win. You know that, right? I gave you a couple of them without me. They wouldn't have won. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's me, me, me. It can't just be praised for someone else who's doing a good job. And then um, lastly here, someone in the crowd asks Trump, hey, when you become president day one, you know, this growing list of day one promises that are never done, uh, what are you going to do? to bring back respect for law enforcement in this country. Uh, the Mueller report, uh, the fake dossier. How about the dossier, which was written up by the Democrats, all fake stuff and uh, a, a disgusting thing. And I had to go through a long time. And still, we did more than just about any president in history with all of that stuff on my shoulders. They tell me, oh, I was uh, a Russian agent. OK, I was a Russian agent. I used to say first I thought they were kidding when I heard that. I said, you know, that's sort of funny. I didn't know what the hell. I, I hadn't even spoken to anybody in Russia. You know, they went through five million phone calls and I didn't make one call to <laughs> Russia. That was a little bit uh, bad, but they didn't denounce that. They didn't talk about that. No. Totally unintelligible word salad when asked about respect for law enforcement. We have a very, very corrupt system and it's got to be. And we need from the top. We need great people. We need heads of the FBI. We need heads of the uh, the top people at the Department of Justice. Right. This is there you go. So uh, unable to answer even a single question. And now we go to maybe the most interesting moment from all of Trump's Iowa speeches. During one of Trump's speeches in Iowa over the weekend, a voter confronts Trump about the vaccines, the very vaccines which Trump takes credit for and takes uh, a pride in as one of his biggest accomplishments during the covid pandemic. Those vaccines that his supporters mostly are against and won't receive. A voter says we lost a lot of people because you supported the jab. And this gets super interesting. Take a look at this. Yeah, well, you know, everybody wanted a vaccine at that time. And I was able to do something that nobody else could have done, getting it done very, very rapidly. But I never was for mandates. I was I thought the mandates were terrible. And, and you know, there's a big portion of the country that thinks that was a great thing. You understand that not a lot of the people in this room, but there's a big but there is a big portion. <laughs> Some people think the vaccine was a good thing. You know, I would have loved to have seen Trump say when she says we've lost a lot of people because you supported the jab. Trump goes, yeah, I would have preferred Trump to say, what do you mean we've lost a lot of people because I supported the jab? What exactly are you talking about? Force the voter to say, well, 
hundreds of thousands, millions have died from the covid vaccine. Now, I think it's important, given the opportunity to remind everybody there is still no credible evidence about covid vaccine related deaths. There was a misleading report put out by a group called the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge. They used completely bogus methods and assumptions to estimate probably 300,000 people died from the vaccine. They used an excess death sort of calculation. What's funny is they didn't even include the possibility that the excess deaths were from covid from the thing that was actually killing people. Uh, There was a false claim that Pfizer revealed data that um, death as a possible side effect was a common thing when people were in the test group, the trial group or whatever. Um, That's been completely debunked. What it relates to is that there are people who died in the few months following vaccination, which you would expect from groups of humans. Some people die for reasons that have nothing to do with the vaccine. So the Pfizer one was a big thing. Now, it is true that people occasionally die from common vaccines. They are insanely rare cases and they usually involve a sort of known theoretical risk of death. And the real numbers are so, so, so small. A couple examples, anaphylaxis, which is a really severe allergic reaction after any vaccine. There can be anaphylaxis usually happens within minutes of the vaccine can be treated with epinephrine. Um, The rate of anaphylaxis after vaccination is believed to be somewhere between one in 10 cases per million vaccines administered. And of course, the epinephrine shot uh, will will save most of those one to 10 per million. There is something called intussusception, which is a type of bowel obstruction. When you get the rotavirus vaccine, which is given to infants and young kids, really important to protect against a severe diarrheal disease, there can be a risk of intussusception after the rotavirus vaccine, one to five cases per hundred thousand doses administered. Uh, GBS, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome, very rare nerve damage disorder can happen after the flu shot. Um, The risk is about one to two cases per million doses. And then, you know, you can look at the yellow fever vaccine. There's something called Y.E.L.A.V.D. It's a severe reaction to the yellow fever vaccine. And um, that is important in some parts of the world. The risk of that is under one case per hundred thousand doses administered. So can people die after a vaccine? Yes. Is it so, so, so rare? Absolutely. Is there any proof that people are dying from the covid vaccine? There is not. But this is what we call when a Trump voter confronts Trump about the vaccine he created and wants credit for. This is losing control of the monster you created. I've mentioned it before, and we'll have the clip of this uh, interaction on our YouTube channel, on our TikTok, on our Instagram. One of our sponsors today is replace your mortgage. Mortgages are a really interesting thing in the United States. The poor often can't afford them and the rich often don't use them. Instead, the wealthy use special financial tools to pay off their debts, often in a fraction of the time that it takes for a middle class American to realize that same payoff. Replace your mortgage teaches you 
how you can pay off your home in five to seven years without needing to make more money than you're currently making right now. And in addition, they can teach you how to better utilize your existing assets and equity to begin or continue growing wealth and passive income through additional strategies. And they actually have an upcoming workshop that will show you how you can take advantage of these strategies, how it all works, create your own economy in a sense. You can go to replaceyouruniversity.com slash Pacman to watch the interview I did with their founder, Michael Lush, to learn how you can get exclusive access to what can be a life changing virtual event. That's replaceyouruniversity.com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. If you or one of your parents is starting to lose your hearing, you're not alone. About 48 million Americans have hearing loss and only one in five people who would benefit from using a hearing aid are actually using one. Our sponsors, MD Hearing, create FDA registered rechargeable hearing aids that cost a fraction of what you typically pay. For example, MD Hearing's new Neo model costs less than 10 percent of what those marked up hearing aids are being sold for at most hearing clinics. And the Neo is MD Hearing's smallest hearing aid ever. No one will even know that it's there. I have a close family friend who uses MD Hearing and loves it. She said it performs better than any hearing aid that she's used, and it's far less noticeable. MD Hearing even offers a 45 day risk free trial with a 100% money back guarantee. So you can buy with confidence, and they have a special deal for my audience. When you buy a pair of hearing aids, you'll get them for just $149.99 each. Plus, they'll include a free extra charging case. Go to mdhearing.com and use the code PACMAN. You can find the link in the podcast notes. Let's continue our tour of this weekend's 2024 Republican campaign happenings. Ron DeSantis suffered another woke coma when asked at the roast and ride event at which Mike Pence also spoke. We'll talk about Mike Pence's speech tomorrow. I think we're just not going to have time today. This was in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, DeSantis went into a one, another one of these comas where he uses the word woke. I mean, I don't, let's count how many times he uses it in 30 seconds. As president, I recognize that the woke mind virus represents a war on the truth. So we will wage a war on the woke. We will fight the woke in education. We will fight the woke in the corporations. We will fight the woke in the halls of Congress. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. We will make woke ideology leave it to the dustbin of history. It's gone. So that's seven wokes in the first 28 seconds there. Now, has DeSantis ever defined woke? He tried. We're going to look at that a little bit later when we also look at Nikki Haley's attempt. I think the really we'll we'll talk about the definition of woke a little bit later. Here, what I want to mention, and it's particularly important if we want to understand the DeSantis campaign. The whole anti woke crusade that DeSantis is pushing is rooted in, I'm not going to say fascist ideology, it's fascistic ideology, which wants to silence dissent and uphold whatever, right? It used to be we silence dissent and uphold white supremacy when you look to some prior fascists. Uh, it could be 
for whatever reason, at this point, we want to silence progressive voices or we want to silence LGBT voices or whatever. And so he's using this fascistic fear mongering and, of course, misinformation to demonize those who challenge DeSantis's narrow and extraordinarily biased view of what the world and how the country is supposed to operate. And so he will label any attempt to teach or to learn about history and reality of racism and oppression and all these things. He will limit it. That's what he does. And of course, it completely ignores the educational value, the cultural value of learning about those things and of diversity and of inclusion. He ignores the harm that these policies have and the, 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 the suppressive and oppressive impact on speech that they push forward. And so the DeSantis anti woke obsession is not only fascistic in its origins, I believe it's also bad strategy because it doesn't reflect the views or, or interests of even if you don't want to say of most Americans of roughly half of Americans. According to recent polls, a majority of Americans support teaching about racism, support teaching slavery in schools, oppose banning books that deal with those issues. A majority of Americans more than ever before support LGBT rights and immigration reform and voting rights. All of that stuff is actually as popular or more popular than any other positions on those issues. And so DeSantis ends up alienating himself from mainstream public opinion and catering to a fringe base that's driven by fear and resentment and scapegoating and bigotry. We know all this. The question is, will obsessing about this stuff allow DeSantis to appear to be a leader rather than just a demagogue? And if the voters of the Republican Party want a demagogue, they've got their guy already and it's Trump. So it's not particularly good strategy. Tot totally a laughing stock, truly. Ron DeSantis's wife, Casey DeSantis, is stealing Donald Trump's they came to me with tears in their eyes routine. So DeSantis is already stealing the Joe Biden basement line from Trump. Casey DeSantis is now stealing these stories. Just as a reminder, Trump often tells these stories. You know, they came to me, they said, sir, and they were crying. These were big, strong generals. And then they said, uh, we we don't have any we don't have any bullets left. Obama left the cupboards bare. Obama. And we always wonder, are these stories real? I think the answer is probably not. Now, Casey DeSantis is taking a shot at one of these stories. Like I have the responsibility to come out here and say this because I see him in front of the cameras and I see him at home behind the cameras and I see him with his kids, six, five and three. He never changes. He never wavers. He never backed down. He always, always stands up for what's right. He does not take the path of least resistance. He doesn't cower and it really is refreshing to see that somebody is standing up for what is right, standing up for the rights, liberties, livelihoods and happiness of the people that he was voted to represent. And that was true in spades when you saw COVID. Here we go. I can tell you stories of moms in the midst of COVID, single moms coming up to me with tears in their eyes yeah. because they didn't know how they were going to be able to put food on the table for their kids. They didn't know whether their children were going to be able to get an education to right. be able to their, live up to their God given potential. But they, they were crying. They would go to they, they weren't even going up to Ron DeSantis. They were going up to Casey DeSantis with tears in their eyes and crying. Listen, is it possible someone cried in Casey DeSantis's presence during covid? I mean, sure. Uh, do we in general believe that everybody is constantly crying in front of po politicians who clearly don't care about them? 
I, I struggle to believe that this is a legitimate story. Let me know what you think. Let's now get to defining woke. Here is Nikki Haley also running for the 2022 uh, 2024 presidential uh, Republican presidential nomination. She got herself a nice little CNN town hall. She was asked to define woke. It did not go well. Define woke. There's a lot of things. I mean, you want to start with biological boys playing in girls' sports. That's one thing. The fact that we have gender pronoun classes in the military now. I mean, all of these things that are pushing what a small minority want on the majority of Americans, it's too much. It's too much. I mean, the idea that we have biological boys playing in girls' sports, it is the women's issue of our time. Is it? My daughter ran track in high school. I don't even know how I would have that conversation with her. How are we supposed to get our girls used to the fact that biological boys are in their locker rooms? Okay, so she goes off the rails. Asked to define woke, she says woke is stuff like biological boys in girls' locker rooms. Now, she's not certainly not defining it. She's giving examples of things she believes are woke. It's sort of like if I said, hey, can you define what a fruit is? And you go, well, you know, you've got your banana. Uh, you've got your <laughs> you've got your cantaloupe, right? But what's the definition of fruit? And we would say, oh, well, the fruit is the seed bearing structure in a flowering plant formed from the ovary after flowering. Now, it's true that sometimes examples might be more illustrative than some kind of definition. But these are the people who say, if you can't define woman, there's something wrong with you. Here was Ron DeSantis given an attempt to uh, given the opportunity to define woke just a few days ago. We know what woke is. It's a form of cultural Marxism. It's about putting merit and achievement behind identity politics. And it's basically a war on the truth. And as that has infected institutions, it has corrupted a lot of institutions. So you've got to be willing to fight the woke. We've done it in Florida. OK, so cultural Marxism was DeSantis's answer. So a couple different things. The term woke has been perverted. I don't know anyone on the left who still uses it seriously because it's been perverted. It now just basically means anything right wingers don't like what woke meant before it was perverted meant I am aware of problems in society that might be bigger than one person. We might call them structural problems. And I think it would be a nice thing to fix those problems. That was wokeness when the term was used seriously. They've now totally perverted it. Cultural Marxism was DeSantis's attempt to define cultural Marxism is a far right anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that blames Jewish German academics known as the Frankfurt School for spreading movements like identity politics and political correctness as some kind of way to manipulate and undermine Western civilization and Christian values. That's what cultural Marxism is. It also. It uses the word Marxism. So it makes it sound like it's somehow related to Marx, but it's not. It's a misnomer. It has nothing to do with the economic and class analysis of Karl Marx. It also really misrepresents the ideas of the Frankfurt Frankfurt School as well. Like him or hate him, the Frankfurt School were a group of critical theorists who analyzed the role of culture and mass media and ideology in society. So cultural Marxism is like a post factual dog whistle appealing to anti-Semitism and paranoia. That's how that's how DeSantis is defining woke. This is actually going to be a bigger issue than we might think, because the longer that they continue using woke in this way, the more it is going to seem like an actual platform or proposal when it's 
not. It's a misunderstood talking point that they don't even understand. So we'll get back to it in the coming days. Nikki Haley swinging a miss and certainly striking out Ron DeSantis. We've talked on the show about how Internet service providers have been logging everything their customers do online and selling that data. Tech companies use trackers in websites and apps to collect your data. You can shield yourself from all of it by using a VPN every time you connect to the Internet. The VPN I use is private Internet access. It's the only VPN that has proven multiple times in court they do not log your activity. Our sponsor, Private Internet Access, hides my IP address, prevents big tech from being able to paint a picture of who I am and what I do online. And it works for all of your favorite streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu to access shows and movies normally only available in other countries. It's one of the only VPNs that works for peer to peer file sharing. And the best part is you can protect unlimited devices with just one account going online without private Internet access is like leaving your phone unattended in a crowded room. Anyone can just take a glance. My audience gets 83 percent off. That's just two oh three a month. Go to piavpncom slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. If you deal with anxiety or depression, You may have tried meditation, exercise, diet changes, therapy, all of which are important things to try. There is also a new treatment that we've been talking about on the program for years, which for many people has been a game changer, and that is ketamine therapy. The research around ketamine therapy for anxiety and depression looks very promising, which is why I'm thrilled about our new sponsor, Mindbloom. Mindbloom is the leader in at home ketamine therapy, having safely helped thousands of people with anxiety and depression. It's delivered to your door. It's done from the comfort of your home. And unlike traditional talk therapy, ketamine works quickly and doesn't have the unpleasant side effects of traditional antidepressants. In a study of over twelve hundred Mindbloom clients, eighty nine percent reported improvements in their anxiety and depression after just two sessions. Read about the evidence for ketamine therapy. We've talked about it on the show. It's pretty remarkable stuff. Mindbloom is offering my audience one hundred dollars off your first six session program. Go to mindbloom.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman. That's M-I-N-D-B-L-O-O-M dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for one hundred dollars off. The info is in the podcast notes. All right. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this just because she she's such a despicable person and obviously a liar that it's like, how much time do I need to spend reminding you that Congresswoman Lauren Boebert is a liar? But this is actually sort of an important story. Uh, There was this debt ceiling vote, of course, and Lauren Boebert is now claiming that the fact that she didn't vote one way or the other on the bill was a sort of protest because they weren't letting her do her job. And it's this big moral stand that she's taking, except now video has been released of Lauren Boebert trying to sprint into the Capitol to vote. She was just late. She just missed the vote. That's all that happened. So let me give you the comings and goings of this. Here is Lauren Boebert back in Colorado explaining that she is protesting against the debt ceiling bill. She's against adding debt. She tweeted, quote, call it a protest. There's no there's absolutely no way to ever justify 
adding another four to six trillion dollars in debt. This is more DC self-created garbage that I will always fight against. And here's the video that she put out about this. Hey everyone, I am back in Colorado, but let's talk about DC. No excuses. I was ticked off. They wouldn't let me do my job, so I didn't take the vote. Once again, Washington's power machine shoved a multi-trillion dollar bill down our throats, <laughs> right. refused to allow debate or amendments, disregarded everything we fought for in January to actually allow representatives to do their jobs. And instead, they served us up a crap sandwich. Call it a no-show protest, but I certainly let every one of my colleagues and the country know I was against this garbage of a bill. Yeah, it's a no-show protest. Except here's video taken by CNN associate producer Morgan Rimmer of Boebert trying to sprint in and realizing being told the vote's over. You missed it. Does this look like someone who's not trying to vote? There is Lauren Boebert sprinting up the steps of the Capitol to try to vote. This is a lie. She is a liar. It's political theater, but it is very low end political theater. Lauren Boebert has nothing interesting to add about the debt ceiling. She has no relevant insights. She has no particular experience that makes her someone to listen to on this issue. She isn't even important enough for anyone to bother paying attention to whether she is or isn't voting. And she's turned all of it into a big story about herself. But it was all a lie. She just was late to vote and then retroactively came up with this stupid story. The only other thing I'll say is she won by only 500 votes. She can be defeated. She has an opponent, Adam Frisch, and it would be great to defeat her in 2024. Twitter is undeniably collapsing at this point in time. The defenders of Elon Musk's takeover insist everything is fine. Any user of Twitter, if you're paying attention, you can tell something is not right on the platform. We now have a new report. Twitter hit by a staggering 59% drop in U.S. ad sales. Twitter's U.S. ad revenue has plunged dramatically in the wake of Elon Musk's takeover of the site, according to The New York Times. The newspaper reports an internal Twitter presentation showed the company's American ad sales in the five weeks from April 1 into early May were at $88 million, a whopping 59% lower than the same period a year earlier. Unnamed current and former employees say Twitter's ad sales staff are worried that advertisers may have throttled spending out of concern about an increase in hate speech and porn on the platform, along with a surge in advertisements for cannabis products and online gambling. Six ad agency executives say clients continue to limit Twitter spending out of confusion about Musk's changes to the site, as well as inconsistent support from Twitter. Meanwhile, Twitter's head of brand safety and ad quality will be leaving. This was uh, announced three days ago. This is A.J. Brown, Twitter head of brand safety and ad quality, has decided to leave. Um, Additionally, we found that Twitter's head of trust and safety has resigned. This is Ella Irwin told Reuters Thursday she's out. She has faced criticism for lax protections against harmful content since Musk acquired the platform apparently unable to do anything about it. Uh, She has also resigned. So listen, um, I I am actually I don't find this to be a great thing. You know, I've been on Twitter for a long time and spent time building a following and have made some great contacts on Twitter. 
and Twitter, as we know, it has essentially been destroyed. The verified feed uh, is now useless because anybody can just pay eight bucks to get verified. I used to use. I know people are like, oh, David, that's so elitist. I would communicate with other verified people on Twitter and the verification served to say this is really that person. I don't now have to wonder, is this AOC or is this the AOC parody account that Elon Musk was signal boosting? That was a bad move. The new algorithmic for you feed. I looked at it today. It was posts from Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh and Brigitte Gabriel. That's what for you was pitching to me. Um, people who don't pay the eight bucks are getting deprioritized in the algorithm. They're admitting this. This isn't even me saying Elon Musk said paying gets you prioritized in the algorithm. So I'm really not posting much. And many people have written to me and said, David, are you going to a different platform? I'm on blue sky, but blue sky is really, really small. I don't know whether there's really going to be a replacement to Twitter. Something really intangibly bad is happening on Twitter. And it only is logical to believe that it is a result of Elon Musk's takeover because all of this stuff happened since Elon Musk took over. Could it be a correlative thing and not causative? I guess maybe, but it seems pretty clear what is going on. Uh, my hope is that it turns around because I liked Twitter. I, I, I still like Twitter as a platform. Um, but at this point, it's just, you know, every once in a while, I'll put something up there. The engagements vary so so a ton of trolls, people I have to end up muting and so on and so forth. And even though Elon Musk claimed that ad sales were off the charts, they're not. They're not. And Twitter truly is struggling there. Uh, by one report, Twitter's value is down about two thirds since Elon Musk purchased it. We will follow it. But so far, not exactly a heroic and inspiring tale. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here is a caller asking about how can it be good to eat vegetables if babies don't like them? It's weird. Take a listen to this. Hi, David. In the context of evolution, yeah. how is it possible that we eat vegetables and fruits given children's reactions to them? And, you know, it's like pulling teeth to get a child to try a piece of broccoli. So like throughout history, why did we eat broccoli? Oh, I think I think I know. It's because we had no other options available and um compared to anything else, you know, if you're starving, it's like hunger is the best spice. Okay, I answer my own question. Thanks a lot, David, for, for not doing anything useful to help and leading me to my Oh boy. So anyway, how do vegetables make sense in terms of human evolution and babies don't like them? Listen, my daughter likes every vegetable and every fruit. I mean, sure, mango. How can anybody not like a mango? But raspberry, blackberry, pear, you know, everything. Um, I don't really know what the caller is talking about. How could it be? I guess the idea would be if if babies and little kids instinctively reject fruits and vegetables, it would suggest that evolutionarily blah, blah, blah. Well, but babies also don't forage for food on their own, so it doesn't really matter. It's a matter of whether the parents are giving the babies fruits and vegetables. And it makes a lot of evolutionary sense because they provide essential nutrients and vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. So, you know, sugar that gives us energy satisfies sweet cravings and fruit. And it seems to me that eating fruits and vegetables is 
perfectly in line with evolution, although it sounds like the caller doesn't actually need my help figuring it out. I don't know uh, if you have anything you want to ask or say, you can call two one nine two David P on the bonus show today. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. We will talk about a U.S. fighter jet response to an unresponsive aircraft near Washington, D.C. The aircraft ultimately crashed near in Virginia. What happened there? We will discuss Saudi Arabia cutting oil production specifically to increase prices, this time acting unilaterally. Some in the U.S. aren't happy. What does it all mean? We will discuss it. And lastly, what's happening with Disney is just so, so funny. Disney continues to welcome LGBT individuals and families as the battle with Ron DeSantis continues to rage. Folks, I don't think this is a battle. Ron DeSantis has even a chance in hell of winning all of those stories and more when we are joined by producer Pat on today's bonus show. Please sign up at joinpacman.com. You go a long way to supporting the work we do. And it feels good to sign up and say, I'm a David Pacman show member. It's a great thing. Just got an interesting email, actually, about two women bonding uh, on a flight about their David Pacman show memberships. Very interesting story. Um, sign up at joinpacman.com. We'll see you on the bonus show. We are here all week.